So much fun. Come on, church, church needs to be fun. I love that. Church needs to be fun. And I saw some of you last night getting down with some of that secular music, you know. And, uh, I was like, man, you sure can get down like that, you know, on a Saturday night. I wonder if you can get down like that at church. Just, just, just saying, just, just, okay, don't look at me that way. You know, the Bible says you've got to love me at all times, okay? So come on now. But what a great event. Thank you so much again. And uh, just, you know, people are waiting for that invitation to come here and then to see that we're not weird. We're not critical. We just love everybody because Jesus loved us. And so thank you so much. Hey, married couples, uh, it's still not too late to sign up for Art of Marriage. Uh, I know we've got a really good group signed up already. It's happening this Friday and Saturday. And so uh, uh, if you're just, you're, your marriage just needs a little oomph, a little kickstart, this is for you. And so you can sign up, up at our website. Well, today uh, we're concluding our series, The Inside Story. And uh, I don't know about you, but this has really been a fun series uh, as we've been building layers on layers. In week one, Alyssa spoke to us about Anna in the Bible and her trusting, coming to this place of trusting God and, and discovering and learning about Jesus. And so we, we spoke about in our lives, God wants us to get to this place of trusting him. In week two, I spoke about Joseph and the power of forgiveness. Now, Joseph named his son Ephraim and Manasseh, which means God has made me forget the suffering. And then God has blessed me in the land of suffering. And Joseph's story is interesting because Joseph's brothers tried to kill him because they were jealous of him. And then they sold him off as a slave. And then fast forward, one day they stand before him because Israel's in a famine and Egypt has food. Joseph's prime minister, his brothers stand before him. And in that moment where he could take revenge, what does he do? He loves them. He takes care of them. And he says to them this, you didn't send me here, God did. And we spoke about forgiveness and we all had cards where we wrote down about, God, what do I need to forgive myself for? And who do I need to forgive in my life? Because forgiveness doesn't set others free, it sets you free. Then we spoke in uh, week three, I spoke about grapes or giants, the 12 spies. You get to pick in life, are you going to be listening to the voice of giants? And we're all going to face giants in life. We're all going to have voices that are going to tell us we're not going to make it, we're going to fail, we're going under, it's hopeless, give up. We're all going to have giants. But Caleb and Joshua focused on the grapes, and the grapes were the promises of God, and that you and I are called to focus on the promises. Yes, giants will be in our lives, but let's focus on the promises of God. Then last week, uh, Pastor Don Doe shared uh, about Jacob wrestling with God. And uh, I enjoyed that message because he said, sometimes we think when we're wrestling things in life, we're like, God, where are you? And God, don't you care? And the one we're wrestling with is actually God because he's trying to get things out of our lives. He's trying to get us to this place of surrendering. And when we posture ourselves like Jacob, we just, okay, I give up. What happens? God then blesses us. And so and Jacob walked with the lump. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean he just had swag. He was reminded that God was for him and God was with him. Well, I'm excited today as we close to jump into today's message. In fact, it's one I've been wanting to preach uh, for a couple of weeks. I want to start with a quote from Helen Keller who was, was blind and deaf. And she says this, The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. It's the ability to see, but you can't really see. In fact, this was so important to Jesus. 
In Luke uh, chapter 4, Jesus is in the temple and he, he takes the scroll and he looks at the prophecy of, uh, of Isaiah. And uh, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2. And then Jesus reads this to every, all the hearers, his disciples, all the hearers. And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. My father has anointed me. To do what? Proclaim good news to the poor. I like that. The world's trying to tell us right now that Jesus is not good news. But I'm coming to tell you that Jesus is good news. He is the hope for humanity. He is the shepherd. He's the healer. He's the king. He's the one that took the sin of humanity, your sin, my sin on the cross, and gave his life so that we could be forgiven. And then he rose on the third day that we could have new life, that we could have relationship. If we put our faith in Jesus, that we could have relationship with God. That's good news. Jesus says, I came to do what? Declare the good news that God loves you. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Jesus came to set us free. Free from addiction. Free from fear, free from disappointment, free from sin, guilt, shame, condemnation, and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. I want to focus today on recovery of sight for the blind because recovery of sight for the blind, as Jesus declares here, was not just physical blindness. Yes, he healed blind Bartimaeus. One day, blind Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is coming in church. Jesus, Jesus, he's shouting out. And, and they said, be quiet. And Jesus said, bring him to me. What can I do for you? I want to see. And we know the story. Jesus healed. He restored his sight. Blind Bartimaeus could see. But Jesus didn't just come for those that were physically blind. He came for those that were spiritually blind. Came for those that were spiritually blind. You see, Jesus wanted to open our eyes to who God the Father is. Jesus wanted to open our eyes that there's a different way to live. He wanted to open our eyes that God is for us, not against us. He wanted to open our eyes to all the promises that we have today. He wanted to open our eyes to the revelation that God is not some old man on a throne that's judging and slamming us. No, but he's a God that says, I want to be your God and will you just be my people? Will you let me be the God of your life and will you watch what I want to do in and through you? Today's main passage and story I want to look at is a story of Elisha. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 6. Verse 8 to 22, I'm going to read a couple of verses, but I want to set up the story. It says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my my camp in such and such a place. And the man of God, and this is Elijah, sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Armenians are going down there. And so the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on, on his guard in such places. You know, I want to stop there for a moment. God knew what the enemy was doing. And God did what? He used Elisha to warn the king of Israel. I want to tell you something today. God knows the enemy's plans against your life. God knows. In fact, let's continue. And this enraged king of Aram, and he summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? 
None of us, my Lord, the king said one of his officers, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. I love that. He says, the very words you speak, the prophet knows. I love that because you know what? No matter what people are saying about you, no matter what evil they're thinking about you, no matter what their plans are against you, here's the good news. God already knows and God cares. It's not like God in heaven is saying, wow, I didn't know that they were going to stab you in the back. I didn't know that they were thinking to get rid of you. God knows all things. I didn't know you were going to go through that trial in your life. No, God knows the plans of the enemy. Verse 13, go and and find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back. He's in Dothan. And then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, and they went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, his name is Gehazi, got up, and went, out, and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Gehazi asked. I mean, I can imagine Gehazi just waking up like, oh, that was such a good sleep. Just love hanging with Elisha, such a man of God. He's so refreshing and it's just an honor to serve him. And, and he, you know, and then he, he turns and he gets his latte and he looks out and he just sees this army. It's like Braveheart, just this army surrounding And he's just looking, going, whoa. (laughs) Master, Elisha, Elisha, there's an army out there. They're massive, they're horses. It's like the Rangers, the Marines, the Air Force, they're, they're all. He brought his best, King Aaron brought his best. Verse 16. Elijah calmly says, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I, I mean, can, can, can we just put ourselves in Gehazi's shoes for a second? Are you kidding me? Like, okay, now, nah. Some of your prophecies I've been like a little bit on the fence about going, hey, I don't know. Like, okay, I mean, I think, I think you've lost the plot. Those that are for us, I am the only one here that is for you. Hello, there is an army. Two versus thousands. Imagine Gehazi in that moment. Elijah's like, Psh, it's okay. Those that are for us, are more than those who are with them. Verse 17, and then Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that when he may, and then he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as an enemy came down toward them, Elisha prayed, to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. And when the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside 
Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill him, my father? Shall I kill him? Do not kill him, he answered. Would you kill those who you have captured, those who you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back on their way. So interesting. The servant is freaking out. He's stressed out. He sees an army. He's like, this is it. We're done. Because see, so many times, that's what the enemy wants to tell you. You're not going to make it. You're not good enough. You can try as hard as you want to. Oh, you know what? You can do this and you can be as good as you want to. You're not going to make it. It's the end. We live in a time right now in society where people feel like giving up. We live in a time where people are so tense and, and, and it's just, it, it shows up in every part. Whether you go to your favorite coffee shop or whether you're on the highway, yeah, people are just tense. People are so afraid. But I'm here to tell you today that there are, there's more for you than against you. There's some of you in your marriage today, you need to know there's more for you than against you. There's some of you that are working for Intel right now that are pretty stressed out because you're hearing about 20% cut coming. I just want to tell you something. There's more for you than against you. Oh, pastor, the politics and the craziness. There's more for you than against you. The choice you have today is, will you pray the prayer? Lord, open my eyes. God, open my eyes. I want to give you three points today on the importance when it comes to opening your eyes. Number one, the first of you taking notes. Number one is watch out for worldly blindness. Watch out for worldly blindness. Paul writes us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from what? Seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul writes here and he says, you got to watch out for the God of this world. And when he talks about the God of this world in this passage, he's talking about Satan. He's talking about the enemy. Because yet, I don't want to lay something down, and this is a side note. If Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, then the devil is the Lord of this world, has a right to your soul. Well, pastor, why do I need Jesus in my life? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father. No one goes to heaven. But through me is what Jesus said. Faith in Jesus. Why? Because you could never pay the price for your sin. You and I, we still sin. But Jesus paid the price for our sin. And only Jesus could do that. And people ask me, well, pastor, why does God send people to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. Sin condemns people to hell. And how do we deal with the sin problem? Jesus. That's why in heaven one day, the devil will say, oh, they were really bad. And Jesus will step up and say, they're mine. They put their faith in me. I paid the price. We're going to heaven. But there are people today that don't have Jesus. And if they don't have Jesus, the God of this world, Satan, is still blinding them. 
You see, church, we have to watch out today because the God of this world, the devil, is continually trying to blind us from what God says. That's why we see right now, post-COVID, 60% of Christians have returned to church. Why? Because in the midst of COVID, we allowed the God of this world to blind us from the truth of this world, Jesus. That's why I want to encourage you today. I'm pushing the life journal. Pastor, why do you want me in the life journal? Because you need to be in the word of God so that you can know the truth. And when this culture today is trying to blind you to who God is, that you will know the truth. And the Bible says it's the truth that will set you free. I don't care what they label the things in culture today. I'm just trying to tell you something. There is a plan behind it. And Paul reveals it. What the world is trying to do today is to blind you in the area of faith. They're trying to blind who God is and who he wants to be in your life. And they're trying to get you to look to the left and the right. Well, pastor, that sounds really hard. You're preaching really hard today. No, I'm trying to warn you that the Bible says in the last days, men will become lovers of themselves. They're going to be given over to all kinds of doctrines. I don't want to just give you a message that makes you feel good, pat you on the back, but it doesn't make you alive and it doesn't put you in a place of understanding that there is an enemy and he is real. And he's going to push things through media and social media platforms. And you have got to know what the word of God is saying. Don't be spiritually blind. Jesus came to what? Restore sight to the blind. Second thing is, point number two is invite the teacher into your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 to 12. However, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Paul is alluding here to Isaiah chapter 64. Verse 10, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? You know what you're thinking. I said this a few weeks ago. The person you talk to the most is who? Yourself. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. What we have received is not the spirit of this world. But the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Paul writes in the first part, he says, watch out for the God of this world is trying to blind you from understanding and knowing who God is. Yeah, Paul writes and says, if you're someone who has your faith in Jesus Christ, you have received the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. It's in your life. The person of the Holy Spirit's in your life. And what is the Holy Spirit's role? His role is to reveal to you the mysteries of God. His role is to what? To help you to begin to see who God is. That's why Jesus said, as before he ascended to heaven, he died, he rose on the third day. And then he says to his disciples, I'm going to go be with my father. Why? So that I can send my spirit to be in you. Why? Because if you're a Christ follower, you are now the righteousness of God. The Bible says, Paul says, you're the temple of God's spirit. God is in your life. That voice you hear, that nudging, that conviction, That's the Holy Spirit. Well, what is his role? Just to convict me? No. Paul says, yeah, his role is to what? To bring you to the place of understanding what God has given you. 
So what do you and I need to do with that? When we get into the Bible, we get into the life journal, we open up the word, we're supposed to say this, Holy Spirit, would you teach me? Because the Bible says he's the comforter, the counselor, he's also the teacher. He, what does he do? As I read a verse, all of a sudden, I go, wow, I never see that. I've never realized that that applies to my life. Because you're inviting the teacher. So Paul starts by saying, watch out for worldly blindness. Invite the teacher, the Holy Spirit who is with you, to begin to bring you to the place of understanding. Why? Because when he brings understanding, you begin to say, there's more for us. God is for me. Who can be against me? Not by might, no power, but by his spirit. That's what the Bible says. The battle is the Lord's. Oh yeah, there's giants, but I see grapes. Because the Holy Spirit is teaching me. And point number three is this. We live by faith. I gotta guard my mind from becoming spiritually blind. No, no, no. I don't wanna buy into all the stuff going on in the world. God is still on the throne. Well, it's bad all around me. God is still on the throne. The economy and the stock, God is still on the throne. Teach me more. Show me, Holy Spirit. I want to know who God is. I want to get grounded in my faith. Why? Because Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We what? We live or we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Isn't it interesting? Paul is saying, saying, do you understand that Jesus came to what? Bring sight to you. What does that sight mean? To understand who God is. But there's an enemy that's trying to keep you blind. And as you invite the Holy Spirit to teach you and you're in the word of God, what happens? Now you're getting faith. Because Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing. And what does that word hearing mean? It means knowing. Knowing what? The word of God. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm going to push this hard at MPC. You got to get in the word. You got to get in the word. You can't just Sunday feed. You got to be in the word of God. Because at the end of the day, oh, well, pastor, I just love to hear you. No, you need to hear me, but you also need to hear the Holy Spirit in your life. You got to get into the word of God. You got to mature and grow up. You got to get Jesus as the rock on which you stand. You got to know who your God is. I don't get you to heaven. I don't save you. I don't set you free. Jesus does. And he wants to be a part of your everyday life. You've got to walk by faith. You see, this is, what, this is what happens. Gehazi had fear. He walked around with, I can't see. He couldn't see. What do you mean, Elisha? The army is so big. We're done for. There's more for us. It's just you and me. What's wrong? Are you crazy? My cousin told me not to hang out with you. Fear, fear, fear. Lord, Elisha prayed. Open his eyes. Faith. Whoa, Elijah, you see that angel up on there? Man, that dude's an animal. He's on our side. There's more for us. See, as you get in the word of God, and you begin to see what God says about your situation, you now begin to grow in faith and you see different. You don't see by fear. Well, we're not gonna make it. No, God's got it. I don't know how he's gonna do it, but there's more for us than against us. Paul says the just live by faith. They don't live by fear. I'm here to tell you that 
We're headed down a road in the world where it's going to get tougher, my friend. You're going to be stretched. You're going to be challenged. And that's why you need to be in the word of God to build your faith. God, open my eyes. People are going to think you're crazy. Aren't you worried? Nope. Aren't you, you don't have to have restless nights when your faith is in God. There are more for me than against me. I want to invite a couple this morning to share their story. I want to invite up Mark and, and Melissa if they come up. Would you give them a hand as... Uh... <laughs> I had the opportunity of meeting Mark uh, six weeks ago. Uh, Mark wanted to, to meet with me, and uh, we met. Mark said, Pastor, I've heard you preach on being planted and all in. I'm planted and I'm all in. And uh, I want to find my role. I want to realize my role here at Mountain Park. By the way, if you're new, that's our vision statement. Realize your role in God's story. And we just began to talk and share, and afterwards Mark uh, uh, shared a story with me, and there was a line that he shared that really, I was like, Mark, you got to... I've got to have you, Melissa, share on the Sunday morning um, sermon and share your story. And uh, I don't want to set it up today. I want just uh, a couple of questions so you can get to know them a little better. Uh, how, how long have you guys attended uh, Mountain Park? Uh, we moved to Ahwatukee in the middle of the pandemic, which was probably a measure of our wisdom. Um, but we started watching Mountain Park online in 2020, and when things started to open up, we came here and joined the Empty Nesters small group and became part of the congregation. Beautiful. And how long have you guys been married? Uh, we just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary in August. Awesome. And uh, just tell me, tell me a little bit about your, just your spiritual background and, and, uh, and, and faith. I was baptized in the Lutheran church and raised in a very Christian Lutheran home and went to college and uh, became an elementary teacher uh, specializing in Lutheran teaching. And when I got called to Pocatello, Idaho, uh, I met Mark there. And was that a great city to be called to? Uh, no, I thought that I had, I was said to the Lord, um, I think you've moved me to the depths of hell. <laughs> I, I was, I am a city girl and I moved to farmland. I was 22 and single. <laughs> 22 and single. 22 single in a, in a farm town in Idaho, yes. Um, I was born in Nome, Alaska to uh, covenant missionaries, so I have known the Lord my whole life, um, but my uh, high school counselor challenged me that God doesn't have any grandchildren, and you can't live your faith through your parents' um, views, and uh, it was my time to break free and really know God, and that's, that's where I've gone, my spiritual journey. Wow. No, no, in uh, 2004, you guys went through a, a painful season uh, in your life, and we've uh, got to talk about it and weep together, and uh, it's a powerful story. I'd, I'd love for you guys to share a little bit with the church. We'll set it up a little bit. Uh, we have three children. Our two daughters are grown and out of the house. Our son, Andrew, was a part of our life that was not part of our plan. It was part of God's plan, and to give you an idea how much we're planners, my wife had all three children on their due date, so um, we are all about... Um, being in charge, but God had a plan. Andrew was not part of our plan, but God's plan, and he made a huge impact in our lives. 
So by the time Andrew was diagnosed um, April 11th of 2002, and uh, I was a stay-at-home mom, so uh, it made sense that I stayed with Andrew at the hospital, and Mark stayed at home with the two girls. And uh, we lived in um, Pocatello, like I said, but that's two and a half hours from the closest children's hospital. So Salt Lake City, uh, Utah is where um, Andrew was treated. And so we relied on my parents came and lived with Mark and the girls uh, from Oregon for three months. And then Mark's parents moved from Minnesota uh, for three months and helped out. And uh, Mark worked and the girls went to school. And then on the weekends, they would come down and visit. But um, yeah, but during the week, I was by myself with Andrew. And uh, so I know we brought... But you got a photo, yeah. Let's have a a first photo of... So there's Andrew sitting on our front steps. What you don't see is what he's giggling about. He's got his, uh, what they called space balls there. Um, His chemotherapy is in his pocket there. And uh, some really dear friends of ours, their boys are in the yard doing the lollipop guild from The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) And he just thought it was hilarious. And he was having such a hard day that they came and did the lollipop guild for him. But. Um, During that time, we also, um, the girls went to the school that I was called to, and Brittany was in first grade at the time, and they, um, all of her classmates, that's his prayer bunny there, Um, her classmates signed the prayer bunny with a Sharpie and uh, sent it down to Salt Lake City with him. Um, He played it for every doctor, every nurse, every procedure, everybody who came in the room. um, He made it very known that he knew Jesus, he loved Jesus, and uh, he made a huge impact. What was the lullaby on the prayer bunny? Oh, the prayer bunny is, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And he prayed that. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was incredible. He was really sick in this picture. Uh, he spent uh, seven months inpatient, and uh, we went in actually. Uh, and we the next picture I think we have of him and his prayer pumpkin. And oh, yeah, did, we'll go next next oh, slide yeah. with uh, Andrew. With the, the, prayer the, the prayer pumpkin was signed by um, all of the kids in the school. So the leader of our church had a farm. And he got the biggest pumpkin he could find on the farm. And every student signed it. We got in huge trouble. Uh, Putting a pumpkin, which is a fungus, in the bone marrow unit got us into a lot of trouble. But it it wasn't a good idea. But for a week, he got to share his prayer pumpkin with everybody in the bone marrow unit. And he loved it. He he was so excited about it. And um, so one day, I was sitting with him because I was by myself. Uh, and waiting for them to come during the weekend, but it was during RSV season, um, and in cancer, in the cancer ward, they are in rooms that are HEPA filtered, so there's no dirt or anything that can get into the room. But because he was so little, he wasn't able to get out of his bed and open the door. So I was teaching him how to call the nurse and told him, you can just press the button. I said, you're not alone in here. But I said, you know that you're also not alone, that Jesus is here with you as well. And um, he said, I know, Mommy. He's standing over there by the window. And honestly, 
that we weren't doing anything. We were laying in bed. There was no television. There was no books. There was nothing going on. Um, that was the faith that Andrew had. He said, he's standing over by the window, just matter of fact. And I said, he is. I'm, you know, 32, 33. I've never seen Jesus. So I was like, wait, what? Um, and I said, Andrew, what does Jesus look like? And he said, like Santa Claus. And I said, like Santa, I said, like, does he have a great beard like Santa? Or does he bring gifts like Santa? And he said, both. Mm. And we just laid there. And uh, I said, Andrew, I'm so excited that you got to see Jesus. That's exciting. Yeah. And he had, I think, one of the photos on the bed. He had, yeah, you want to share that? There you go. Mm. Oh, Oh, go back. There we go. Yeah. He um, had a picture of Jesus right behind his head there. He strategically put that picture right there so that Jesus was right next to his bed. So, yeah. Uh, I know um, Andrew uh, went to be with the Lord at home. Yeah. Correct? Correct. We... um, yeah, he died on uh, March 3rd of uh, 2004, and uh, his godparents um, came, and we had breakfast together, and we went upstairs, and Mark and the wife played in a Christian band, and uh, we sang songs, and we prayed over him, and um, when we knew that he was getting close to going home, I said, Jesus, when you see her, and when you see Jesus's hand, you take his hand, and you go with him. And about 20 minutes later, he, he called out twice to Jesus. Yeah. And if I ever had a doubt that Jesus was alive, that was the moment that changed me. And the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to know that Jesus is real. And he came in the form of a son who we didn't plan. Amen. Thank you so much. And uh, I know, uh, Mark, you shared that Andrew has just impacted many lives. We know, we know doctors and nurses, but could you share some of the lives that, that your son impacted? Uh, when Andrew was going through all of this, uh, we started what now is called a blog before Caring Bridge and that sort of thing. Um, didn't know I was a pioneer, but we'd send out an email to people almost daily, uh, also posted it on the internet so people could follow his story. And those spirit moments became part of that blog people got to see what was happening in his life um and it touched a lot of lives we feel feel like there was about three thousand people that were paying attention to andrew's story during that time but the local nurse newspaper also published his story and the newspaper uh reporter who was assigned to andrew's story was pretty offended by the idea that he was going to have to write a story about a three-year-old child going through cancer and he was supposed to make him a hero. Um, he came and met Andrew. It turned out he wrote several stories about Andrew in the paper. And this was a guy who left a woman who was pregnant with his child in Illinois when he moved to Idaho. And after meeting Andrew and getting involved in Andrew's story, he flew back proposed to that girl, uh, got, I'm sorry, got married and brought them back to Idaho. And he's, yes. He told us afterward that it was Andrew who taught him the value of that relationship. But the story that means the most to me is that my best friend at work, and I work in the semiconductor industry, my best friend was an avowed atheist, and he and I had many boisterous conversations about faith. 
three weeks after Andrew passed away, he walked in my office and plopped in a chair. And he goes, Mark, I can no longer say God does not exist. He wasn't ready to sign up to faith. He said, I'm an agnostic now. But, <laughs> but I can't say God doesn't exist after Andrew's story. So Andrew even touched his life. Great. I want to thank the two of you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes we don't know why we go through storms. Sometimes we don't know why things in the natural that seem bad happen. But when I heard this story, I thought there's some of you that you need to hear. God wants to open your eyes. In the midst of pain, Jesus showed up. In the midst of pain, a short four-year-old son changed so many lives because he saw Jesus I don't know what your story today is or what you're going through maybe you're on the mountaintop of life right now and everything's going amazing hold on (laughs) seasons come and seasons go time for laughing and time for crying Solomon says but today I'm reminded of the words of Andrew, and that's what stuck me in the story is, Melissa said, don't be afraid, I'll be back now. And Andrew was, I'm not afraid. Jesus is with you, Andrew. Mom, I know, he's standing right there. There's some of you today that need to know that Jesus is standing right there. Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your faith, maybe you're struggling with cancer. Maybe you've been disappointed or hurt. Maybe you got a bad report. Jesus is standing right there. The best thing that we can do is simply this. Open my eyes, God. Would you come? Would you open my eyes? Maybe today you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you thought I'm an atheist, an agnostic, but I feel there's a tugging on my heart. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. What does that mean? It simply means this. Inside of every human being, there's a void. There's something missing. And we try to fill it with all kinds of things. We chase after things for joy, and then that falls and fails. And we chase the next thing. We chase the next thing. And yes, yes, the reality is only one thing that will fill that void in your heart, and that's Jesus. Nothing else can. Only He can. It's the best thing we can praise. God, would you open my eyes to who you are? In the world that seems to be spiraling out of control, God, would you open my eyes? I need you. I want to give you that opportunity today as every eye is closed and head is bowed. No one looking around us, no one moving around in this moment. Today, open your eyes could simply be this. Jesus, I need you. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe today you've wandered off. You're not doing life with God. You're on the outsides looking in. You're doing life on your own. You know about God, but you're doing life on your own. So eyes are closed and heads are bowed. I want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. An opportunity to say, God, would you open my eyes today to who you are? I simply know this. I need you. 
I'm tired of doing life the way I've been doing it. Tired of feeling alone. Tired of carrying this weight. You see, the Bible says in Matthew, Jesus said, bring all your weights and all your burdens to me and I'll give you rest. He promises us rest. So his eyes are closed and heads are bowed. I'm going to ask you today if you want to invite Jesus into your life, maybe for the first time, or maybe today you want to come back home. I'm going to ask you in a moment to just raise your hand so I can see you and pray for you. You say, why raise your hand? Because when you raise your hand, you're raising your heart. Hands going up already. Beautiful. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. So you're raising your heart today. You're not raising it to me. You're raising it to God. You're saying, God, I need to surrender my life to you. I need you. I see you, sir. I see you, young man. I see you, couple. Beautiful. I see you, young girl. Say, no, I need you. I need you. See, my friend, God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to do life apart from him. They are more for you than against you. He's just simply saying, I need you. Online, I want to include you in this moment. You might be watching in another city, another country. It doesn't matter. God's right there with you. He's reaching out to you. Today's your day too. Beautiful. Hands going up everywhere. Father, you've seen every hand, every heart. Would you open our eyes? Would you open our eyes? May we see your fingerprints throughout our lives. May we sense your presence and see you in the darkest hour that we are not alone. You are with us. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer. And if you're a Christ follower today, I'm going to ask you to pray it nice and loud to encourage those who have raised their hands. Let's all pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you today to come into my life. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you today to lead me. I thank you today that I put my trust in you. I thank you that you are with me right now. I thank you for a new beginning. I ask you, Jesus, to open my eyes. Help me to see you more clear. I thank you today that I am a child of God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.